0: Hi, welcome to Compositional. I'm Roman Chipyaka, And today we're talking about linear types. And uh, I have here a small panel of linear types experts, which includes uh, Arno Spivak. Hi, Arno. Hi. Hey. Krzysztof Gogolewski. Hi, Krzysztof. Hello. And Richard Eisenberg. Welcome, Richard. Hi there. Maybe to start things off, Arne, could you give us a bit of background for people who have no clue about what linear types are? So what are linear types? And why did it make sense to add them to Haskell?
1: Uh, right. So uh, first thing first, uh, linear types uh, are a new feature from the 9.0 release. That's about a month old uh, that we've been working on it for a while. Uh, what it does uh, at the very uh, basic level is to add one new type of functions, uh, which you write uh, with a so- somewhat long sigil, like person one arrow. Um, and uh, so we call that a linear function. A linear function is essentially a function that uses uh, its argument exactly once. And that may look like... a bit of a curious uh thing to want uh so what do we do with this is the real question and the short answer is it lets you keep track of resources in types and there are the two big family of use cases for that uh one is to make pure interface uh, for things that would formally be uh, impure in Haskell, such that such as uh, an API for mutable array that is pure, and the other use case uh would be to uh, enforce protocols at the type level. The most basic example of it is a file where uh you can make uh you you can make an API for files where you are sure that you will always close a file and, uh, that you've opened, and never use the file after it, ha- it has been closed. So that is the uh, the
0: basic general idea. And then it balloons out. So maybe to, to clarify, the reason why this applies to mutable arrays is that um, if you update an array, you, you want to do it in place rather than copying the array. Uh, but you also need to make sure that the array, like the non-mutated version of the array won't be accessed later.
1: Yes, so the API looks like it's returning a new array, just like you're doing uh, 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 when you have a map from the data.map thing. But it really returns the same thing. Uh, And and indeed, uh, the API ensures that the old versions are not visible by anyone. So it doesn't make any difference from the point of view of the consumers of the API, whether it ha- the array has been copied or whether it has been mutated. It's impossible
0: to observe the difference. And uh, what's, what's the history of, of this project? How did it come about? <laughs> uh,
1: so in 2016, uh, a, a bunch of us at Twig, when Tweak was much smaller, uh, were working on a distributing computed, uh, sorry a distributed computing project uh, uh a european fund a europe funded project so it was a research project and we had some slack um in that project and it sort of when we when we thought about uh what to do with this time uh we realized that uh we had been joking um jean-philippe bernardi and i in particular to that linear types would solve so many problems in that project um partly because uh, we had worked with linear types recently, both of us, and that was sort of paged in. And we thought, yeah, that's actually a, a very cool thing to do, uh, except that I didn't believe that it was possible uh, to add linear types to Haskell. So Jean-Philippe had to convince me. And when that happened, then we got working uh, and, and and excited as well. <laughs> Uh that was uh that was a long project. Uh we uh we made a lot of people join uh to help out to make this a like a thing. Like, making a linearly typed language is not a challenge, it has been done many times, so we just have to work on the, on other people's footstep. But making Haskell a linearly typed language without compromising anything from uh current users of Haskell doing that in GHC, not in a new compiler. That is very challenging. Um, so the initial uh, project involved, uh, apart from uh, Jean-Philippe and I, Simon Payton-Jones, uh, Ryan Newton, and Matthew Busflog from Twig as well. So there was a paper uh, at Popol in 2018. Um, and that was just the first step, because that that is, in a way, just a paper. However hard it is to make an academic paper, it's still quite a few steps removed from an actual implementation. The next step was making a proposal uh, in the GHC proposal uh, repository. And that took uh, quite a bit of effort as well, uh, like comparable amount of effort as the paper itself. Um, it says it, uh, it involved uh, more people like Facundo Dominguez uh, from, uh, from Tweek joined in on the effort of making this proposal concrete. Um, and parallel to that, we were working on the implementation to make sure that the proposal made sense. We actually found flaws in the proposal while implementing. Um, I should mention, so uh, in the early stages of the proposal, the implementation was done by me and by Matthew Pickering, um, who joined uh during the proposal process, he did the implementation, the first implementation of the linear core uh, Linter, and and he found quite a few limits in uh, the initial proposal. That shows that again, a paper is not an implementation. The proposal was accepted, and I don't remember wh- when exactly. Uh, but then uh, the implementation effort went on for. Quite a few months, a year or two after that, um, with uh, Krzysztof here in particular,
0: that took uh, the blunt of the work and was merged in June. So you mentioned uh, quite a few people who helped out. Um, Anyone else uh, we should acknowledge here? Because unfortunately, we had to limit this panel to three uh, people. But uh, I think there are many more who participated in the project. So Richard
1: Eisenberg, that is here, of course, participated uh, first as the shepherd for the proposal, also helped with performance for the implementation. Um, and uh, on a project that I'm going to talk in a second, uh, there is also Bavik Meta, uh, Utkudemir, and Divesh Otwani, uh, all from Twig, who worked on the linear-based project, which uh, aims at giving a... Well, a prelude library uh, for working with linear types. And finally, Kiss and Nick Wu uh, recently joined force on a project uh, for now academic uh, with me and Richard to uh, improve the ergonomics of linear types uh, by making constraint in the sense of type class constraints themselves linear. And there's a um, there's a paper about that that has been uh, released on archive recently. So
0: that's something you can check it out. It's called linear constraints. And uh, Richard, do you want to talk a little bit about your involvement?
2: Yeah, sure. So so you know, it's uh, Arna, you mentioned all the work on the uh, on the proposal, which is sort of where where I entered the picture. Um, so I'm I'm on the the GHC steering committee, and um, when that proposal landed, it was the biggest proposal that we had seen so far. And when when it was finally submitted so so when it was proposed, you know, I took a couple of, of comments, but I didn't really look at it all that closely. I was not involved with, with Tweak at that time. And um, and then when when it was sent to the committee, there was sort of this deafening silence within the committee of who was going to touch this proposal and 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 tackle it and um, you know I think I, I let, let the silence run out for a little while, hoping someone else would jump in, but I decided it was it was my turn so 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 I went in and then um and this was this was in the the early summer of two thousand eighteen I think um and I, I, um, Devesh Otwani, whom you mentioned as a, as, as a contributor, so he was a student of mine, actually. He was an undergrad student of mine, um, uh, when I was working as a professor. Um, he was an intern at Tweeg that summer while I was spending lots of time slaying the proposal. Um, and and was wondering, you know, if he was getting abuse on my behalf within the Tweeg office of of you know here here I am saying oh this is terrible and this is terrible and this is terrible. But the goal, of course, was to sort of figure out how to take this proposal and turn it into something excellent. Um, and and the idea, the core idea, was great. Um, and, and but I just you know it was sort of interesting that was that was my entry to the project was how do how do we how do we sort of take this thing and and really boil it down to a to the beautiful core that that it is. Mixing metaphors there. Oh, well, Um, uh, but um, that was I I really was quite worried about, you know, if if, if Devesh was getting any abuse on my behalf. I don't think that really happened, but but I definitely felt like sort of the antagonist during that phase.
0: And so the current status, I guess, is that um, linear types um, have been like the most of the work you mentioned have been merged into uh, GHC and available since uh, GHC 9.0. Anything else you want to talk about, about the current status of linear types?
1: So 9.0 is the very first version of linear types. So it's, it, the paint is extremely fresh. There are plenty of things still missing. The proposal is not entirely implemented yet. Um, so it's not uh, recommended for production use yet, but you can play with it as much as you want. You can already do quite fancy things with them.
2: I want to I wanna disagree there, actually. I think it is ready for production use. I think it depends on what you, it depends on what we mean by production. So 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 you know use in anger, yes, there might be some funny error messages, there might be some other things that happen around the surface, but in terms of the sort of the the the, the core effect, I mean in terms of the sort of shipped code, um, I think that's fine, right? The the the, the scratchy parts are going to be the, the sort of the programmer facing parts. And so if if you and your developers are, are you know are, are are willing to deal with that, you know, your your code will be safer and, and, the, and the and the executing code will will run just as fast and do all of the right things. Um, so in that way, I think it is production ready, even if it's maybe a, a slightly scratchy developer experience. Still,
0: thanks, Richard and Arno. And uh, now let's jump into the questions. So we uh, solicited questions from the community, mostly on Reddit. We got quite a few questions. Um, And so let's dive into them. Um, So the first question comes from Raman Honory XC. Um, And the question is, will using linear types throughout my program improve performance? Maybe one of you could clarify the question, why that person would think that, but my guess is that it's based on these sort of optimizations where if a, um, if a function is linear, then you would avoid copying um, the, the structure and just mutate it in place. But uh, Arnold, do, do you want to take this question?
1: Yeah. So the short answer is, is no. Just adding linear types will not make your program faster. There is no current uh, compiler, like uh, linear types enabled compiler optimization. So just adding linear types will just make your program have better types. So to speak, uh, it might also help you use a library that could make your program faster. But the sheer uh, act of uh, of writing a linear arrow where uh, an unrestricted arrow uh, was previously will not change the performance of your program. And there is no plan at the moment to use linear types for compiler optimizations. It's not to say that it's impossible, though it's less obvious than it looks. It may look, anyway.
3: Maybe it's worth adding why is this the case. Uh, a linear function might use its argument exactly once. However, the compiler could not exclude the possibility that the same argument is used elsewhere in the function, uh, in a different pl- place of the code. Uh, which means uh, linear functions might not correspond to what people, uh, what people's first intuition might be.
1: And it's even more than this. The function itself uses its argument once, uh, but it can be used in a context where the result of the function is used several times. And so that prevents you from doing uh, sort of garbage collection-free things because uh, this thing that looks like it's been used exactly once can actually be used many times. It's it's really within the function that it used just once.
0: What if there was uh, some sort of isolated region when you say um, I'll make everything linear within this region and here are the clear boundaries and within this region, uh, you let the compiler actually reason about these things.
1: So that's how we do for libraries basically, and we might be able to do this for the compiler as well. Uh, it's just uh, this it's not something that has been thought about with enough care to make any prediction about whether it's a good idea or not.
3: There are already GHC tickets about using linear types inside the compiler, but because we have to bootstrap GHC with an older version of GHC, they will have to wait at least until uh, the minimum bootstrappable version of GHC will support linear types. And that's assuming we will find a good place to use linear types. Because GHC uses a lot of complex data structures, and uh, it remains to be seen how well we can uh, use linear types here.
2: I I would love to see us use linear types to make sure that we bind variables exactly once. Every variable has exactly one binding site. That would be a fun thing to try.
0: Hmm. Cool. And uh, another question from the same person. Oftentimes in Haskell, I can learn more about the purpose or use cases of a function from its type uh, than its name. If I see a function with linear type in its type signature, what kinds of things might it tell me about the purpose or use cases for that function?
1: Uh, I, I don't think it tells you much, at least on a single function. Um, it, it restricts what the function do, but it, yeah, just reading a function, I think you, you won't you won't see much. However, you might see a, 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 a an API. That, uh, that uses linearity a lot, or, or crucially with abstract types maybe, or something like this, then you might deduce that we are quite possibly in one of these use cases that we mentioned uh, at the beginning of this uh, podcast, which, uh, which was either to pass something that is usually impure as pure or uh, to keep track of uh, something in the type, like some have objects change type throughout the program.
2: So So if I see a, a function with a linear type, I mean that that actually I, I think will would tell me some some information about how that how that function is using its its, its argument. So So for example, if I see you know a, a function that takes in, you know, I don't know, a widget. And then and then returns two, and then returns a tuple of two structures. But the widget is taken linearly. I know that that widget is stored only in one of those output structures, or if I know that something about the input, if I'm passing in a bool, and I I know given the way that the the, the function is structured that it has to use that for control flow. I know that then then that information is not going to be stored in the output at all, that has sort of been consumed. So it's, it's kind of like how when I'm working at Haskell, it's being a pure language. I know when I pass some large structure to some function, I know that that function can't modify my structure. And, and just the fact that there's a pure language working with me, it gives me some intuition for what this function can and can't do. With linear function, it's the same thing, but now I have even a little bit more intuition.
3: In Haskell, we often use parametricity or free theorems For example when you have a function from a to a is polymorphic then you know it's either throws an exception or it is identity now linear types can strengthen this guarantee for example when you have a function taking a list of a's and returning a list of a's a general function might duplicate those elements or discard them but if it is a linear function you are guaranteed it will just permute the uh, the input so uh, this way you can be A bit more sure that your sorting algorithm will work more correctly. You can exclude a class of errors at compile time.
0: That's a nice example but um, I wanted to push back a little bit on on Richard's example about the widget because the the thing about the widget you sort of need to know how the widget how the data type or data structure is organized because you can have a type that uses its fields non-linearly and so you know, this function that takes a widget and returns to structures, it could unpack a widget and depending on how the widget is organized internally, it could just copy those fields into both of the resulting structures, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so there's a, a key part of this whole linear type scheme is abstraction, right? So the... Types that we want to sort of protect using linearity need to be exported abstractly. So, so maybe my example with bool is, is, is a poor one, right? Because bool it's, is not, not going to be an abstract type. But with widget, if widget really is abstract, then that means we can't just unpack it and take all of its fields out unless we have all of those functions available. And, and then we sort of lose some of our guarantees. Um, but if, if it's some opaque type without its constructors exported, without sort of full access to its internals, because it has some sort of um, uh, identity of its own that, that's controlled by an abstraction boundary, then the linearity gives us these extra guarantees. It, it's actually quite like Krzysztof's example of, of using a type variable. So a type variable is another sense an abstract type that we can't really look inside of. And, and so that's when linear types really shines.
0: The next question comes from Lord gothington and the question is uh, how might linear types pave the way for an alternative to conduit pipes and other streaming io libraries i'll make it very short there's already some work that has been done on this
1: uh based on the streaming library by Edvard hubinet and divesho 20 Um, and it's currently in linear base so you might want to have a
0: look at this Could you comment on the recent state of that project? Because at some point, uh, I think I looked at it and the problem was that linearity was was interpreted as in you have to consume the whole stream, right? Which means consume every single element, which sort of defeats the purpose of having a streaming abstraction where the point is exactly that you can uh, um, consume as many elements as, as you need. First, I don't agree with this uh, latest statement. Uh, the point of a streaming is
1: abstraction is to make sure that you don't load everything in memory and you can work with constant memory on something of unbounded length. Uh, having the ability to drop some elements is a nice bonus, uh, which we were quite miffed to lose in the first iteration of this work. But since then, we found a way uh, that requires introducing a second type of streams, one that is interruptible. Um, they they have slightly different characteristics, um, but but it it, it does uh, yeah it, it it does work more or less. Um, it, it might very well be that uh, with experience we find that uh, having a fine types which uh, by the way are not part of the current linear types implementation or plan, but can be added at a fairly low cost. Um, uh would be better for streams uh but for the use cases that we have uh we tend to believe that linearity is kind of better that forces you to be very very conscious about where you release your resources whereas with uh, an affine abstraction you would let some uh, bracket style thing or resource t style thing uh, to close the uh, the resources for you and uh, that's all fine sometimes but when the stream goes on for very very long it's not very good so, so yeah it, it it works much better now that we've uh, worked on it a bit more with a bit
0: of care next question comes from Ian Zinn are linear types inferable with the Hindley Milner algorithm Richard uh, maybe you take this one
2: yeah sure so this is is um there's a, there's a lot of different directions to go with this, um, so one th- a quick answer is is no, um, because you know Hindley Milner is 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 really just sort of looking at, at more general type inference. Um, that that algorithm is, is specialized to, to sort of non-linear arrows. But I think maybe what the, the question is, is is after is is our approach backward compatible? Um, and, and there I would say the answer is definitely yes. Um, in that, when we have linear types enabled, all of the type inference that we know and love from Haskell still continues. There's there's sort of no trouble at all with that. And then even beyond that, if uh, in in the context of Haskell, when we have some variables that have say linear types and we we use those variables, everything will just kind of work. Um, I don't I don't have sort of a good way of pinning that down, but that. Um, you know, if you have linear types enabled, and you have some linear functions in scope, we'll be able to infer types using uh, an, essentially an extension of, of, of Hindley Milner.
0: The next few questions come from Terman. The first one is using a boxed mutable vector for performance often kind of defeats the goal. Um, are the current boxed linear containers the first step or all that is planned? For now, and, and I think what um, this person is referring to is the linear base, where um, the sort of linear mutable array was implemented, but the current implementation is is box. So, um, Arna, do you know the current status or or the plans for it?
1: Okay, so I think first that uh, what uh, Tomen here is referring to is the fact that when you uh, mutate a box array. Uh, you have to pay some computing costs for the um, f- for the write barrier for the garbage collector. In, in, in a garbage collecting lang- in, a, a bit of, in a garbage collected language, um, you have to do some extra steps when you're mutating something. And so, when you use um, box mutable arrays, you are trading some allocations for this write barrier, and it might not always be good uh the answer to this question is like it's it's a it's a library so it can be extended we don't have particular plans to extend the array uh interface right now but if someone wants to it's fine there's nothing
0: preventing us from adding unboxed arrays to this api the next question is seems like nested linear containers would need some fundamental and incompatible api changes Are nested linear containers possible? And maybe you could clarify what a nested linear container is and what's the issue with that.
1: So this is a question of doing arrays of arrays, basically. Um, It's a complex question with a deep answer. Um, So uh, currently in linear base, when uh, we have an array, uh, the array itself is a linear quantity that we thread through the program. But the elements of the arrays are not linear. That means we can't make an array of array and mutate the inner array. The reason for this is due to the freeze function, uh, which uh, transforms a mutable array into an immutable array that we can use as much as we want. It's not restricted to being a linear quantity anymore. And we implement that in O of 1, like unsafe freeze in Bayes. But it's safe that's kind of the kicker if you had linear elements to this array you couldn't freeze like this because you have to sort of recursively freeze the element of the array so we didn't make arrays that way it's also very easy to make arrays of linear elements where you cannot freeze the array so it stays mutable and linear throughout its existence. There's no problem about that. In a way, it's just a tuple. Tuples are like this. Mixing the two, having arrays of arrays that can be freezed in O of one, that's a tougher proposition. Uh, The linear constraints paper, which I mentioned earlier, actually does a proposal to be able to do this sort of thing. It's a much more complex. API on
0: the face of it, though it might be a better one. Uh, Future will tell. I I don't understand the whole depth of of this question, but to me, it seems like not only the arrows. So currently, the arrows could be linear, but you also want to maybe annotate a container with linearity. You want to say, I parameterize this array as being linear in its elements. Right. Or maybe even a more complex data structure. So for example, a map. Maybe a map could be linear in its keys or its values or, or both. So is, is that a sensible thing to do? Like add annotations for not just arrows, but types themselves? So in, in, um,
1: in constructed data types, uh, fields have a, uh, we call that multiplicity, which is either they're linear or they're not, it it can also be a variable that can be a parameter of the type. I say that, but it's a bit of a lie, because it doesn't always work right now. Um, So we have the syntax, uh, but it's never been something we could work on for the first version uh, of linear types. And it's one of the things that typically doesn't work. Uh, You get uh, I think we have at least one known bug where the desugaring is very wrong. Uh, for these data types. So it's absolutely conceivable. It's just probably difficult to do right now.
3: I'd like to add that although there is no linear types, only the functions are linear, I would say the closest thing we have to linear types or the inverse, the unrestricted types, is that we have a type class that can collect all types that you can duplicate. It's called uh, movable.
1: Movable, yeah. And there's the uh, er data type as well that. Uh, if you have a, a, a container of a linear quantity, if you store R of A's instead of A's, then you have unrestricted versions.
0: Where R stands for unrestricted right Yes The next question from Terman is um, I think there were plans for a safe course style phrasing API. Does that still seem workable and I think they're referring to uh, the the question um, the issue you were talking just recently about freezing a vector or an array making a, an immutable array from a mutable one? Right. So we, uh, we just said, probably in public, apparently,
1: that maybe uh, in, o- in order to work around the issue of freezing arrays of arrays, uh, we could have uh, a core style API, uh, something magic understood by the compiler that does uh that changes type when it's safe to do and like it seems very ad hoc and we haven't really pursued this it's just it seemed the only option at the time but maybe having uh, the more general linear constraint mechanism is the more reasonable solution
0: the next question is um was the state of linear case let if and and where
3: I think I can tackle this.
0: Yeah, and please clarify what what that refers to.
3: Linear if means that you can, uh, the if-then-else expression can use the boolean linearly, and if you use the same variable in both when and else branch, that variable will be inferred to be used linearly because it's used uh, in both branches. And this is already the behavior of GHC 9.0. You can both use the uh, boolean and uh, the `when else` branches as linear uh, uh, in linear context. However, this does not work when you use `rebindable` syntax, because `rebindable` syntax the sugars to uh, an application of an `if else` function. However, we would then need to use a different, a special typing rule, a special type, which would say. Uh, the usage of uh, variables in when and else have to be combined in some kind of multiplicity supremum uh, to get the multiplicity of the final uh, expression, the usage of the final expression. And this is a tricky problem. I don't know yet, Uh, in the linear linear types proposal we skip this. Uh, There is a GHC ticket about this. Uh, I think this uh, one possibility is that we would simply uh, not use if-then-else when using remindable syntax in linear types, but that looks ugly and I think this just requires precise design. The other possibility is to extend the type system with that kind of products. Uh, however, that's those uh, that applies only to people using double syntax. If you don't use it, uh, everything is fine. Linear case. In linear case uh, we would like every scrut- the scrutiny to be consumed linearly, assuming the, exp- the uh, fields in the case, ex- uh, in the case alternatives uh, are consumed linearly. And this is currently missing in GHC 9.0. It has already landed in GHC master and it will be released in 9.2. That means that in 9.0 there is a discrepancy between uh, defining functions using pattern matching and a case expression. A workaround is using a lambda case, and we have that described in the tweak block. And uh, in 9.0, I'm afraid this is the best way what we can do for now. In 9.2, all of that uh, uh, that workaround will no longer be necessary. Linear let. This is planned for 9.4. The proposal uh, gives a syntax for linearity annotations. So you could write whether a variable in a let is... uh, um, Used linearly or not. As for linear, where this is not yet on the horizon, maybe 9.4, maybe 9.6. And generally the philosophy is that we would like to have a, a consistency between the expression Haskell and the declaration Haskell, where expression Haskell means things like case statements, if then else, um, and declarations are things like where uh, or uh, guards, and currently, there 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 are some things you can do only in one of the styles, but the language is expressive enough to let you write any everything as long as you, uh, as long as you use it correctly. So we expect gradual improvements here.
0: Okay, and uh, the last question from Terman that we'll cover is: Are there any thoughts about resource guarantees or RAII, which stands for resource um, acquisition is initialization? Uh, so are R A I I types in some far utopian future.
2: I mean, R A I I is is sort of a, a unique idiom to object oriented languages. Um, uh, the closest equivalent in a functional programming language is some kind of bracket structure. So, so where we ha- is, you know, we we might have a sort of a with file function that that. Uh, Takes a continuation, or a, uh, also called a callback function, um, that um, that gets the file handle and can, can operate on it. What linear types does for that is it, it can actually then guarantee that we don't take that handle and stash it somewhere. Um, and so linear types works with the existing idea of using a bracket structure to model RAII like um, constructs in a functional language, and and sort of adds extra guarantees.
0: So using raii right you for example you open a file you have a handle and when the handle like in c plus plus when handle goes out of scope the file is is automatically closed and i think the point is not using bracket because with bracket you already have it right but without bracket so you open a file you have a handle and then um but the, the the problem is I guess with linear types it just cannot go, silently go out of scope right you need to somehow explicitly destroy it otherwise it'll be a linear type error right
1: so so in C++ or in Rust um the uh the closing code is introduced by the finalizer which is introduced by the compiler but of course we have only done a type system so unless um unless we want to uh instrument the compiler we won't have these sort of things available. At any rate, linear types are not really compatible uh, directly with the ability to just let's stop mentioning the file and it's going to drop out of scope. You are required by the type system to close the file yourself. So it advertises a style that is a bit different than RAII, um, where it's easier to interleave... Opens and closes. You don't have the sort of a, a bracketed scope feeling that you have in RAII. Um, we have an implementation of this uh, in linear base in the, uh, I, I don't remember the name of the module, uh, system.io.resource, something like this. Um, where, so basically we have one single big bracket at the very top of or resource management thing. And if an exception is raised, we get at this bracket, we close everything off, and we're good. And we we go away and manage the exception somewhere else. Uh, Other than that, uh, within this this scope delimited by the run of the monad, um, we get to open and close things manually. And the type system catches us when we forget, which is a bit different. If we had a fine type, we might consider, uh, having scopes using something like the resource T monad transformer to delimit scopes maybe. And, and then getting out of this scope would close the items in that scope. Possibly like it's, it's like I, I've said that several time. I've never worked out the details, so I'm
0: not making any promise. Okay. Um, Richard, you, you seemed skeptical. Did you want to add something?
2: I agree with with sort of the conclusions that, that Arno reached, uh, uh, but I, I think I'm I struggle to interpret RAII as anything other than bracket. I agree in a functional language, right? I mean, the only real way that we have of of sort of binding variables in a meaningful way is essentially do notation, which. Is really calling this bind function, which then takes a continuation. And and so if if we are to try to think of what does RAI mean in a language like Haskell, it has to mean something like bracket. And and maybe we have a better notation, or we use some kind of this. Uh, um, there's this new qualified do syntax, which might sort of make the syntax around bracket better. But but that's, that's sort of fundamentally where I go back to so so when i think about raii i'm like oh it, it's just it's just bracket and then we can make bracket better with linear types and we can we can prevent leakage from the bracket using linear types in a way that can't be done today but i, I sort of personally don't see another sort of you know way to describe what haskell is doing as raii
0: okay no f- fair enough i think uh the distinction i had in mind is that um it's like a bracket but non continuation passing right not not introducing continuation i i guess you can already do that using a conti like transforming that to to a simple monad
1: i was going to call you out on your blog post there (laughs) but yeah but but, no you're right about that like if if you if you use conti and you have uh you can delimit conti uh, you can delimit scopes within conti and then that and then you use bracket instead of of open then you get basically RAII.
3: If you'd like to be more implicit, uh, that is uh, more implicit than bracket, just like RAII, maybe the work on linear constraints would help. But still, this is uh, future work. I'm uh,
0: not making any promises there. Okay, uh, moving on. uh, Matsumonki asks, how Haskell linear types compare to the Rust equivalent, pros and cons? We have partially answered this question in the previous
1: question, I think, but.
0: Well, maybe not everyone uh, is familiar with Rust, so maybe you could talk a little bit about how Rust um, almost linear types work and how they compare to Haskell linear types. Uh, yeah, R- Rust uh, type
1: discipline is uh, so-called ownership type discipline, where you can say, uh, I take this argument, and I, and to give me this argument, you have to promise me that nobody else holds a reference to this argument. And that is absolutely brilliant when you want to do array stuff. Uh, because, um, because, well, yeah, that, that's the property you want to enforce at, at the end. There's a unique reference to the array, so I will be able to mutate it without anybody seeing. Um, and the other thing you can do very easily with ownership is saying, oh, I don't own this anymore. I'm just giving it away to the word. And nobody owns the thing. There's no unique reference to it. And it can be read in an unrestricted fashion. So it basically like supports the, uh, the array example primitively. Um, it has two other kinds of types, uh, which are immutable and immutable borrows. Immutable borrow is basically an affine type. So what I've said several times is never defined. So let me take a, just a, a slight moment to define it. Uh, whereas we say that linear functions sorry, consume uh, their argument exactly once. An affine function is the name of a function that uses their argument at most once. So they're completely allowed to forget about the argument. Like a const is a fine in both of its arguments, but not linear in both. Uh, and so yeah, uh, mutable, borrow, uh, mutable borrows are, are treated affinely. Um, so there's a lot that you can do uh, in Rust that is similar to what we can do with the by just encoding them as borrows. So Rust is really like like built around this idea of giving a m- pure interface to mutation and no level memory management. It's very specialized, so the syntax is really customized for this. But they showed that uh, was just encoding things as mutable burrow. You can do a ton of great example, including uh, RAII that we were just talking about uh, within the system. Uh, it relies on a dedicated syntax, a dedicated notion of scopes, uh, did, uh, on uh, code generation. Basically, we can see the, the first step of code generation that adds the drops in Rust as a transformation from an affine language to a linear language very roughly, uh, like don't at me, et cetera. Uh, and there's sort of the different uh, view that we took for, for Haskell is we have this very general language that is not built at all around these notions. And we want to add uh, the uh, capability um, to uh, write as libraries uh, so some of these use cases. And, and possibly others. Um, like, I'm being very, very vague. I'm gonna be a bit more concrete. Um, so first, uh, we've talked about it several times. So far, we can encode ownership within linear types. Like, I don't think the opposite is possible. Um, you know, there, there is a kind of duality between the two, whereas uh, as a linear function, I promise that I will use my argument once, whereas as a, uh, a an ownership function, quote, unquote, uh, I don't get to promise anything. I get to require that the context promises me that they don't use uh, the argument anywhere else. So there's a, like a duality colloquially here. And it's, it doesn't seem to be perfect, maybe, because we can't capture the context. Uh, so that's, but that's the way we encode uh, ownership, by uh, taking a linear function as an argument and doing some duality things. Um, yeah, so that's one part of the answer. Of course, because we have a much more general syntax. Uh, whenever we just go at Rust and we compare our example to, them, to theirs, uh, it's always much more verbose in linear Haskell. We're trying to close this gap. Uh, again, linear constraints is an effort to try and close this gap uh, to some degree. Uh, but they got us beat here. Uh, uh, but there's also things that we can do that I don't think are quite possible in Rust. Uh, my favorite example uh, is destinations. I actually uh, wrote a blog post about them on Tweak's blog. Is that the right time to, uh, to plug Tweak's blog? OK, so if you want to read about linear types, you can go to tweak.io slash blog slash tag slash linear dash types. Uh, uh, there's plenty of blog posts there, and you can read much more about what we're saying today. So yeah, destinations. Uh, destinations is about uh, taking, well, the destination, <laughs> the, the basically the return type of your function as an argument. Like uh, when we do in C, instead of returning an array, you take an array as an argument, and you fill it. And uh, the great thing about it is that uh, it spares you from allocating the memory. It just makes it possible to reason about how many times memory is allocated. Whereas if you have array returning function, each of them must return an array so that you will have Fusion to help you after that. Uh, but that's sort of unpredictable. It's not something you program with. It's something that the compiler does, uh, maybe to save you from yourself, something like this. Um, and having destination lets you reason about that uh, much more concretely, and we couldn't have uh, again, a pure API for destinations with linear types. And that's a very, very cool thing that I don't think is quite possible with Rust. At least
0: I don't know how to do it. Okay, so the next question is, um, what are the scenarios where the use of linear types makes uh, a lot of sense?
2: That's a that's a great question to ask, right? So we're, we're, we're coming up with this new technology and we want to know, you know, where, where do we expect to see it? And I think one of the exciting things is that we're, we're going to be surprised. Um, uh, you know, I, I understand that, that Arno has, has some, some specific answers to offer here, but, but I'm looking forward to seeing what the community also makes of this feature.
1: I agree. That's the, the most exciting part about this project um, because it's, it, it is the first time that production-grade compiler has linear types implemented to them. And that makes linear types uh, available to many, many more people than it than they were before, and it, it's 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 there's basically two possibilities: either linear types are essentially useless, or we are going to discover many, many new things that we can do that that nobody has ever thought about before. Th- there are some specifics though that uh, brought us to think about that to begin with. Um, what one. So, so I, I mentioned at the beginning that uh, our initial use case was in distributed programming. Um, why is that? Well, one of the, the problems that we have in distributed programming with garbage collected language is that garbage collection doesn't amortize anymore. You distribute a program across, I don't know, a thousand, uh, a, a thousand processes. Uh, chances are that one of them is doing garbage collection. So you're paying the full GC pause every time you do a step, say, instead of when you have a single thread, the GCPOS happens sometimes, but it's amortized over time because allocation is so fast. But if you're constantly waiting on someone doing garbage collection, then you're paying the full price and more of garbage collection. So uh, when doing distributed programming, it makes sense somehow to move some of the memory management to. Like all the like the, the the bulk of it to be outside the GC, and we thought, yeah, with linear types we can make that safe because co- calling malloc manually is not quite the reason why I'm programming in Haskell right now. Uh, that's not what drew me to the language. Uh, like if if I have to, but I don't want to, and that's one typical use case for uh, linear types. Another one is to encode protocols um so there's a keyword but i'm uh, forgetting it right now session types that's the keyword uh so session types sort of thing so you have uh you have maybe a back and forth to do between different component and you can ensure that everyone uh goes uh throughout the entire protocol um and gives the answer when a question is asked unless something crashes, of course, and you have to do some special crashing logic, but you can at least
0: ensure that some things go, uh, like when things go well, they go right. Draw Forever asks, will we get linear functions taking and returning a state token that can effectively replace IO? How will this affect the compiler with regards to soundness and performance? And um, the, the despicable state hack comes to mind. Um, and so I think what this person refers to is that uh, the IO monad can be sort of emulated as a as a state monad, but with a state that is hidden and uh, and opaque to make it more or less linear. Um, and so now that we have linear functions, wouldn't it make sense to apply them here? And so this person says, like we could have have type IO a equals like a Uh, a linear function from the real-world token to a tuple of real-world token and the the return type.
3: So already the linear uh, Haskell paper makes the possibility that this function could be made linear because in fact, GHC passes that linear, uh, the real-world token is passed linearly. That's how you want uh, IO to sequence its operations. And in a sense, that's how you can enforce that the compiler is behaving properly so uh, i wouldn't expect here to gain uh, performance uh, out of this exactly because uh, of the reasons we were give, we have given previously as for the uh, however it could enforce that some optimizations are uh, done correctly so it would be a um, post check on the existing compiler that everything works well uh, the same can be said we uh, about st as for the state hack, my understanding is that it would not help here because the state hack is a GHC optimization that is about uh, the IO uh, functions being one shot, that is, being called just once, while linearity is a property of how the argument of a function is used. So just because the function is threading the real world linearly, it does not mean that it couldn't be called twice. Uh, and a bit of a hot take here, in my opinion, the IO type in Haskell is uh, a mess. I know that it makes a lot of practical sense, but, uh, me- uh, and uh, there might be performance reasons behind that, but from like theoretical point of view, I think it would be cleaner if IO use some kind of free monad or something. And there is, for example, a po- uh, post by, I think, uh, by, uh, oh, I forgot the alpha. Basically IO uh, as, a, as a state monad does make sense if you want to talk about concurrency, for example.
0: Right. So, um, a couple of follow-up questions I had about this. Is, uh, first, uh, you said that uh, the real-world token is already used linearly. Um, is that sometimes maybe violated when implementing stuff like unsafe perform I.O.?
3: That is true. There, there, the run, unsafe perform I.O. uses a function called RW. So, you are given an I.O. function and uh, you manufacture a real-world out of nowhere. But this is still linear because you are just creating the, you are uh, you are uh, gaining access to an uh, internal type, so to to an internal uh, value that is not exposed normally, in a sense.
0: And so, uh, more generally, if we have uh, this type of uh, this kind of linear. API are there escape hatches that we can use internally where we we pretend that the function is linear but in reality we we do something dirty with it
3: you can use uh, co- unsafe coerce to if you are, if you have an unrestricted function and you want to promise the compiler yes it is linear don't check that unrestricted and linear functions are represented in the same way uh, so there that, that is this is safe in the sense that it can only break if you if you like
1: it's the way a lot of things are implemented in linear base, uh, because if we want to bind, say, the file API from uh, from from Haskell from GHC, uh, and make it linear, we don't really have any linear functions to start with. So we do that within unsafe coerces.
0: And the second question I had uh, was, um, so you mentioned this, the, the linearity could be used to ensure the validity of optimizations, of compiler optimizations. So at what stage um, exactly are the linear types you raised? Like, are, are they present on the, at the core level, at the SDG level?
3: They are present on the core level, uh, not on the SDG level. That is, uh, and of course, they are present in uh, raw Haskell. Uh, every optimize, we, we would like to make sure that every optimization, that is a core-to-core core pass, preserves linearity. There are currently some bugs in the GHC uh, GitLab. Uh, we, are, we have catalogued them and not everything works. Uh, however, we are making progress. One property uh, that, we, that the GHC master has is that when you uh, desugar a program, that is, when you pass from Haskell to core, the resulting program will always pass linear core link. Linear And fixing those bugs is uh, also on the roadmap to GHC 9.4 and 9.6.
1: Something I should add is that uh, teaching core about linearity uh, did require some uh, some real research. It was really not straightforward. Uh, It's another point where a paper is not quite an implementation yet or quite a few steps removed. the reason for that is that if if you take a um a run of the mill uh, linear type system from the literature whichever you want like most call-to-call passes will actually break linearity according to this system of course it doesn't they don't really break linearity which is a, a sort of dynamic property of the program because it preserves the semantics of the program uh, but we have to teach call that a much wider range than usual, a much wider range of programmers than usual is actually linear, and this required some uh, some research. Uh, like it, it took maybe uh, maybe a year of the three years of the implementation process just to iron this out. Like find the issues one by one, finding oh this part, of the, this part of the compiler does think that we hadn't expected. Oh, this is like we thought that would work. That doesn't work, and create things. So the um the the, the most up to date thoughts about that are on the GitLab wiki. So you can look look linear types in the GitLab wiki and and follow the links to the implementation, and you will uh you will find the current status of all this. Uh, like I I I probably need to organize these thoughts a bit more clearly. Uh, but but yeah, that was that was really really not obvious, and it's not just an implementation problem. It's also about uh, like figuring out a type system that was uh, that had never been a problem before because nobody verified linearly typed compiler passes.
3: As another example of core changes, we discovered that there is an interaction between coercions which are used uh, in the implementation of GADTs and linear types. And this was not foreseen uh, during, the, uh, during the writing of the paper as far as I know.
0: Uh, next, we have a couple of questions about memory management. So Ian Zen asks, languages using linear types often use it for safe manual memory management, but Haskell is a garbage collected language with a large runtime. What benefit will linear types bring? and a possibly related question from ZGKZY: kzy uh, for full program if all my arguments are linear will the gc passes be optimized away and the same question for modules will such modules be excluded from the gc right uh so let me
1: start from the from the top um so language using linear types often use them for safe memory measurements i don't think that is true like i can only think of rust that does that but most linear type language like a, i know idris granule um or clean that is a bit like in the style of rust or other more research things like alms um they all have a garbage collector and they might use linear types for mutation and so on and so forth i think we've we've discussed uh, the benefits of linear types uh, at length so far. So I'm not going to say much more about that. So that being said, uh, it is possible to uh, make libraries that um, that manage memory uh, like out of the GC heap and safely. And there's, there's actually a prototype in LinearBase. I don't like it. Personally, I wrote it. I'm allowed to say that. Um, and there's still much more work to do to make it a convenient uh, API, but it's definitely possible. Um, the second question was, will the GC passes be optimized away? Uh, not in any circumstance currently. And it's not obvious that there is a good way to do this. I we've discussed that at the very beginning. Like Maybe if we have scopes, we could we could imagine a situation where it's reasonable. Um, I like there's no research that has been put into this. Uh, I should say that uh, very early on in the history of um, linear logic, uh, LaFont wrote a paper called I believe the Linear Abstract Machine, uh, and that was that was a purely linear language where there was no way to use something unrestrictedly, and this language uh didn't need a gc to run so if we are able to delimit situations like if it happens at all uh where this supplies, then maybe like we, we've we really like taught like in the, in the early stages of thing this project we thought about it hard and nothing really stuck that's what i can say about this
0: and another memory related question from recursion ninja I'm most interested in the memory performance benefits of linear types. Where is implementing automatic C like memory management separate from Haskell's garbage collector on the linear types roadmap? Uh, so I want to reiterate uh, th-
1: there's no real plan of modifying the compiler uh, deeply at the moment, uh, but there is a library doing this that exists and that I don't like, I just said. Uh, well, not a library, but like a subpart part of linear base, and I want to work more on this, uh, but I need more ideas as well
0: so um, it 's a bit of at the moment. Tarman asks, could strictness analysis results be used to suggest extra linear errors with an optional warning
2: um g h c certainly could uh, do some analysis to to produce such a warning or or um, or even HLint, I, I actually think that this is something that, that could be done outside of GHC. I don't think it would be strictness analysis because strictness and linearity are in a similar space, but they're different. Um, as just one quick example, if, if you have a function that takes um, an argument X and puts X into a singleton list, that function is actually lazy in, in the argument, yet it's also linear. Um, so there's, there's not quite a, a lining up there. Um, one one minus to doing this is, you know, say a person is writing a function that happens to use its argument linearly but doesn't want to advertise that to the world. Then they don't want to mark their function as linear because maybe they want to give themselves the freedom to change the implementation later. How would you indicate that to GHC or to Lint to suppress the warning there? It's not, it's not totally clear to me.
0: 1331 asks... I'm interested in learning more about the limitations and recommendations concerning migration of existing code. Um, Krzysztof, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: Uh, Currently, GHC's uh, linear types is kind of experimental. So we expect uh, initial adoption to be slow and uh, just the early adopters. And my suggestion would be not to change your functions to linear rather to use multiplicity polymorphism, so that if there is someone using your uh, function in a higher-order context, there won't be any type error. Changing uh, an underset function to a multiplicity polymorphic function will be backwards compatible. Uh, However, what you are doing is you are closing the door uh, in case you would like to make your function unrespected later. That would be a breaking change.
0: To what extent can a package mix code that uses linear types with code that does not use linear types. And specifically this uh, person 1331 um, gives uh, some uh, examples. Um, Can a module that does not use linear types import a module that uh, uses linear types? Can a module contain definitions that use linear types as well as Definitions that do not use linear types. um, So I believe the answers are yes to both of these. Can a definition that does not use linear types uh, use a definition that uses linear types? Can a definition that uses linear types use a definition that does not? So I think all of these are yes, but uh, Krzysztof, do you want to elaborate on that?
3: So uh, my mental model would be uh, linear types merely mean that there is one more parameter in your data types, that is multiplicity. And before linear types that parameter was fixed to be many. Now you can generalize it and you can make your functions more polymorphic. Which means if you were relying on a function not to be polymorphic and uh, you are using it in a uh, polymorphic context, well you can't. So if you have an underset function you cannot use it in the linear context. Uh, However, uh, maybe you use only some pieces of data in an understood fashion, and then you can use uh, that uh, th- those functions in a linear function.
1: Uh, I think it doesn't fully answer the question, uh, which was about the linear types extension, and like there's not a very consistent thing throughout GHC, um, but um, the. Uh, the, the, the general gist of extensions is that you need them to define uh, functions with it, but not to use these functions. That means, yes, you can import and use linear functions even if you haven't written minus x linear types or language linear types at the top of your file, um, just like you can use uh, a run st without uh, Import, without writing language Rank N types, whereas you can't define RunST or a linear function without having the extension. I hope it answers uh, all of the sub questions because they were not.
0: Yeah, so so there are two sides, right, to this question. There's a more formal side, what you can and cannot do if you do or don't enable the linear types extension, and then like more practically, um, how much you can you can mix these. Uh, the next question from 1331, what is the recommended practice for, migra- for migrating existing libraries to use linear types? And specifically, if I have a library foo that exports data foo, would updating that module to use linear types make it incompatible with older versions of uh, GHC?
3: And the short answer is yes, uh, because you would be using syntax that is not available in uh, earlier versions of jt so if you really really need to you could use cpp but i understand that would be a pretty huge overhead perhaps if you really wanted to you could create a hack where you have function where uh, you use cpp just to define a type synonym only for functions, and then you would need CPP, uh, a type synonym, which means either an unresetted function in an earlier version of a compiler, or a general function in JC 9.0 and above, and then you would need CPP just in that place for the type synonym.
1: Or you can do that with cable flags.
3: Of course, that would uh, mean extra uh, complexity. Uh, so I'm afraid that uh, if you really want to use linear types uh, that, that you have to break backwards compatibility.
0: Yeah, that, that reminds me how um, a lot of like big C and C++ projects are structured like they have a specific macro to define functions, which expands to some compiler specific function attributes. So
3: Yeah, it's similar.
0: Um, Would it be a good idea to create a linear version of the module in the same package named data.foo.linear, for example, and use cabal flags to only make such packages visible to versions of GHC that can handle them?
1: It's probably reasonable. Another approach is to just, you know, not care about... If you're going to go the linear route, there's chances that you don't really need to be Compatible with older version of GHCs, which are anyway compatible with the old version of your library
0: would it be preferred to instead create a linear version of the package named foo linear for example? I
1: really feel these are not linear types questions they're more like new features in GHC questions um, I think m- many they, different people have very different answers to this and there's no really community consensus about what you should do um so, so i'm'm I'm, I'm a bit like I'm uh, bit afraid to make a recommendation right here in public um, like m- my inclination is to uh, burn bridges, but not everyone agrees
2: so my my answer here would be to walk forward carefully, right so if i mean it it really depends on what your incentive is to integrate linear types into your package if the goal is to getting better checking on your own code right so you expect to use something linearly and you want to check to make sure that happens um, then presumably you could do some kind of clever um, you know define a type synonym and um, if, as long as you compile on GHC 9.0 you'll get the extra checking if you compile on other ones you don't but but actually maybe this is all hidden and local within your package that might be one way to use linear types if you expect downstream users to use your functions in higher order contexts where the linearity is important well then you you have that means that your library is really tailored around linear types and maybe it's worth thinking about not having backward compatibility maybe you just want to work on ghc 9.0 and above um, so it's it's a little hard for me to see a scenario where someone would really be eager to adopt linear types into their code in in sort of in a way that's useful to clients and yet also want to have backward compatibility. I don't see those two things happening at the same time. Um, And so probably what ends up happening is that that linear types might not be necessary for all these packages. And you just sort of continue doing things the way that you have been.
0: All right. I think um, these are all the Reddit questions that we're going to cover today. And if you have uh, any concluding thoughts,
2: so, uh, yeah, maybe I could take a stab. Um, you know, one one really exciting thing about having linear types out there is it gives people the chance to experiment. Um, and, and we're really excited to see what experiments people come up with find new applications of this technology. Um, what will also inevitably happen, and we should be prepared for and embrace as a community, is that some people will misuse linear types um, in that... Uh, there might become interfaces that become needlessly sort of complex and and have, you know, five multiplicity polymorphic parameters and things in in places where they're really not helping to understand the code or to execute it. Um, and, And so as with any new toy, we have to play with it a little bit to figure out how it works best. Um, And so, you know, I think that that this is an exciting time to to be looking at all of this. It's We're going to see new applications, we're going to see new features of linear types coming out in the next several GHC releases as we continue to refine this feature. Um, And just, you know, it's... uh, I think we have a real chance to sort of in five years to be able to look back and say, you know, this is when this idea that's been floating around in academia for, for decades it finally sort of got released into the broader world and we can now start to understand how it's useful.
1: Yeah, and like, similarly, we we went into this project, obviously, with some uh, with some motivation of our own, some applications for the types that we thought would work. But, The operating word is thought we don't know that they work until an application has been tested in production it's very theoretical and some of these examples that we've put forward have been like implemented in smaller compilers but they haven't been used in massive code bases and that is the real test. So even though we have things that we think would work, and we've talked about that throughout this hour, um, I like, I absolutely can't promise that they will be uh, the best applications of linear types or like actually real applications of linear types at all after we spent a few years experimenting with this. It's not because it's theoretically possible that it actually makes practical sense. Uh, whenever you add types to something, uh, there's a cost to this and there's a benefit to this. Does the cost exceed the benefit? Well, time will tell. So I really want to second uh, Richard's thought about how uh, really exciting this time is for me. Uh, is like, I've, I've been working at this for a number of years now, and, and, and now finally, uh, we're gonna see people experiment with this and, and, and just like blow my mind. And, and, and that's really what I want to see. Like I just, I am, I, like I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to learn new things about linear types that I've never even conceived.
3: As an under example, uh, there were many things built on top of GADTs and poly kinds and other extensions like that. And I don't think they were foreseen uh, when uh, those extensions were added. And I'm sure that within our times, we might see things that we simply haven't anticipated at that time.
0: Okay. Um, I thank everyone who contributed their uh, questions on Reddit and elsewhere. And Krzysztof, uh, Richard, Arno, I thank you for this very enlightening conversation.